The debt limit has been the talk of the town. Is there any impact on healthcare of the potential debt ceiling deal that's been flying under the radar? We want to hear from you. Reach out to me at bleonard at politico.com. This is Pulse Check. I'm Ben Leonard. The debt ceiling deal would claw back about $30 billion in unspent COVID funding and would continue health care for veterans exposed to burn pits. Medicaid work requirements were notably not part of the deal, but expanded work requirements were added for SNAP, with exceptions for veterans and homeless people. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy is aiming for a vote on the package today. American Medical Association President Jack Resnick's term is set to expire in mid-June. We sat down with him recently, and he told us he's focusing on removing the obstacles doctors face when trying to practice, including disinformation and administrative burdens. We talked about Medicare payments, prior authorization, AI and medicine, and more. You can read the full Q&A at politico.com. And over the past three years, low-income workers have experienced wage growth as a result of market changes and pandemic-related policies. Politico's Victoria Guida highlights some implications in healthcare as a result and how these factors could impact low-income workers' well-being. Thanks for having me. So there was a lot of concern at the beginning of the pandemic that the fallout would leave a lot of lower-income workers behind. But as you reported, low-income workers have made significant gains, even accounting for inflation, in the past three years. Why have these sorts of workers seen these sorts of gains? Yeah, so it's pretty striking because when you go back to 2020, a lot of the people who lost their jobs were low-income workers, especially because they were people who tended to have public-facing jobs, and so they were the most at risk from the pandemic. But that also meant that a lot of those jobs, you know, you think about restaurants, retail, hotels that are very public-facing, once the economy reopened, there were a lot of people who had moved on from that industry. They realized that it wasn't worth the pay, it wasn't worth the danger. And so for a lot of the people who either stayed in the industry or entered the industry, they had a lot more bargaining power. And so what we've actually seen is that when it comes to the 10th percentile, right? So the people who are making more than only 10% of workers, they have actually seen very significant gains, even after adjusted for inflation, nearly 6% income gains from 2020 to 2022. And healthcare workers were obviously put under a lot of pressure during the pandemic. You know, how have healthcare workers been impacted in terms of wages? Overall numbers, I mean, because, you know, you can break it down by income percentile and then you can break it down by industry. And then, you know, once you get more granular than that, it's hard to have sort of higher quality data. But overall, healthcare workers have not actually really seen gains. I think uh, inflation adjusted, they've actually seen their pay go down, which is unfortunate given, as you said, it's been pretty brutal out there. On the other end of the spectrum, how have higher earning employees fared during this span? So they have also seen their paychecks go up, but as it relates to inflation, inflation has gone up by more than their paychecks have gone up. So they've actually seen their inflation-adjusted income go down. And so actually, income inequality has decreased significantly over this time period because you have low-wage workers who are able to see gains that are well exceeding inflation, whereas higher earning workers are also seeing gains, but inflation is more than offsetting that. And the median worker, it's basically been a wash. And so it's kind of hard to tell this story because, you know, on the one hand, the economy is benefiting people who don't usually benefit, but at the same time, everybody's feeling the pain of inflation. And the median worker is basically seeing all of their raises that they've been getting. They've been seeing that just sort of swallowed by price spikes. There was a lot of bipartisan consensus on significant COVID spending throughout the pandemic. Looking forward as this sort of pandemic spending winds down, how can we expect workers to be impacted? 
Yeah. So their workers are getting hit in sort of two ways. I should say the unemployment rate is still, as of right now, 3.4%, which is the lowest it's been in modern history other than during the Korean War, which is pretty striking. And so as of now, a lot of these dynamics are still in place, but both a combination of less pandemic era spending and also higher interest rates from the Federal Reserve is slowing down the economy. And this is important because if you think about what creates jobs is demand, right? So when people want to buy things, either goods or services, it spurs companies to hire more people. And the more in demand people are, the higher than they can pay them. And so we're basically heading into a situation where the economy is starting to slow and that could start to hit some of these work that will start to lose the leverage that they've had. And the Federal Reserve has obviously been in the spotlight over its decisions to hike interest rates. What's next here and what sort of pressure is the Fed coming under from progressives? And could this sort of rapid wage growth have some negative consequences? The Fed is an interesting inflection point because they've raised rates a lot. Their main borrowing rate was near zero as of March 2022, and now it's above 5%. So that is a staggeringly quick pace to raise interest rates. And they're trying to figure out when they need to stop because they now think that they've raised rates enough to slow the economy, but they're not sure if it's enough because inflation is still higher than they want it to be. And one of the things that they're looking at is wage growth because not adjusted for inflation, wage growth is still pretty rapid. You know, it was about 4.4% on an annual basis from April to the previous April. Average wages grew by 4.4%. And basically, the Fed is worried that that might keep costs for employers high enough. It will motivate them to keep raising prices, which in the worst case scenario leads to a situation where wages and prices keep pushing each other up. We don't seem to be in that situation right now, but the Fed is worried that wage growth is high enough that it's keeping inflation from coming down more. So this is sort of at the center of what the Fed is doing. And as you sort of alluded to, that's making a lot of progressive Democrats upset you know, particularly Elizabeth Warren. She brings this up a lot. Thanks so much for coming on, Victoria. Yeah, sure. Enjoyed the conversation. Before you go, I wanted to let you know about Politico's upcoming healthcare summit on June 7th. You'll be able to hear from people like White House COVID Response Coordinator Ashish Jha and Office of National Drug Control Policy Director Rahul Gupta, who will discuss the innovations transforming healthcare in America. You can learn more and register for in-person or remote attendance by visiting www.politico.com slash healthcare summit. And that's our show. Our music is by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Afra Abdullah is our producer. Annie Reese is our senior producer. Our healthcare team editors are Eli Reyes, Dan Goldberg, Barbara Van Tyne, Beth Dalton, and Sean Zeller. Jenny Ahmet is the executive producer of audio at Politico. I'm Ben Leonard. Subscribe and follow Pulse Check for a new episode every day. And subscribe to our newsletters where you can read this reporting. That's Pulse, Future Pulse, and Prescription Pulse. Thanks for listening.